welcome to Sparkler Podcast number 41. Today we are talking about conventions, because it's the start of con season and it's, well, most of us are going to be working them pretty soon. I'm Rebecca Scoble, I'm the managing editor of Sparkler, and I'm here with my two partners and co-owners. I'm Lillian diaz Prisbal. I'm one of the comics editors for Sparkler. I'm Leanne Centaur, I'm the mostly prose editor at Sparkler. All right, so uh, TCAF is two weeks away, and that's the con that uh, Leanne and I are doing, and have been like, you Sparkler know, Sparkler does it every year. It's our home yeah, turf. It's our favorite con. It's our, it's our, uh, yeah, home turf. And I continue to be sad that I've only been to it that one time, mm. like our first year. Mm. So that was a good it was year, pretty rad. But... Mm. Someday yeah. we'll get you back. Yeah. Someday. Someday. <laughs> this year, it's the sucky thing about having a day job. Is yeah. That, yeah. And yeah, being on it the makes other it difficult to, yeah trek off to canada mm. so we're actually this year um the tcaf lineup is bananas like mm-hmm. so many of our artists are going to be there uh yeah. jen doyle of knights errant keezy young of never hero slash yellow hearts alexis cook of yeah. dinner dits yep. and um four piece carolyn calabrese used to work with us she's mm-hmm. doing now uh she runs palm magazine uh, nice she's got that that kickstarter that just ended I, I can't remember the name of the book i'm sorry it's an anthology a lot of people like Friends of the magazine, people who used to work in the magazine, people who currently work in the magazine. Half, yeah, half of my Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah. Are Team Kaiju going this year? I don't know if Kaiju's going this year. I'm not sure. They've There's been somebody before. else who I saw who, like, it yeah. was a surprise. I thought that they were going. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm, like, missing somebody important. Uh, if if I missed you, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we are also super looking forward to seeing everybody. Um, yeah, and just like honestly, a lot of our readers come every year. To, like, mm-hmm. we definitely have a Toronto crowd, mm-hmm. um, and we're always next to Love Love Hill, which is just wonderful. We love 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 Hill. Yeah, we we call it. Uh, we've got that little area up in the second floor. In there's like the back room area that you have sometimes have to line up to get in because of fire codes, mm. and uh, we call it Shoujo Row. They put all of us around. We're kind of on the end cap of it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. We're oh, gonna... I think maybe Little Fooleries coming. Are they coming? Uh, yeah, I think they are. At least one At least member one of the Little Foolery. Yeah. I'm not sure if both of them are, or if it's just Jade or just Alex, but yeah. uh, somebody yeah. there. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah, just kind of like everyone. It'll, it'll be great. And, and it's a great show. It's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Mocha. Yeah, kind of like Mocha, but better. <laughs> Mocha North. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think what's, I, I haven't really been to a lot of the other like small press type shows like Mocha or SPX. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really liked about TCAF in comparison to your average sort of anime or comics con, not that I, I mean, I, I love those two for kind of their own ways, is that mm. it is all about the books. And as a small publisher, it's pretty awesome to be in a place where that is all that people are really looking for. Like there are some panels. Um, there is some other stuff going on, obviously. Like any convention, the social side of the experience is a big thing. But like people are there to look at books, to buy books, to talk about books. There isn't a lot of cosplay, if there's any cosplay. Um, there isn't a lot of merch that's being sold. It's all just about the books, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's actually a really good way to put it. And and I haven't done a lot of, like, small cons either, so, like, I, I, I don't mean, like, to <laughs> sideswipe mocha. Um, but kind of the word on the street, even years ago, people were saying, they're like, I don't necessarily go to those other ones anymore because I like TCAF and if I have to sort of choose one. Uh, TCAF is also, like you were saying, how it's so focused on the books. 
um, it's a free show and, it, and it's in a, a mm-hmm. li- the Toronto Reference Library, which is like multi floors and it's really cool. And then you get like actual library patrons, actual library patrons. Look, Patreon is ruined the way I say patrons. <laughs> um, and, and, and also just like kind of like people from the street, like p- people with baby strollers and little kids who just walk by. They're like, what's going on in the library today? So, you know, it, it's a good crowd and it's got a very <laughs> Very different... confused people who, who want to use the stacks for research and are like, what is happening? Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> There's a few of those every year. Yeah. But actually, we wanted to talk in this podcast about um, not just TCAF and how great it is, but kind of conventions, tips and tricks, I guess. Mm. There are a lot of people who, uh, you know, they they run a table at a con, they maybe work at a bigger booth, like for a retailer or something, or people who just go for fun or friends or cosplay or whatever. I feel like between the three of us, we've done kind of all of those things. Even Lillian used to cosplay, didn't you? I've cosplayed like twice. Okay. <laughs> so we don't have any thing I used to cosplay is a pretty big stretch. Okay. But <laughs> but I, I have done it. And I, I am a cosplay aficionado. I really oh, like okay. watching cosplay. I like seeing what people do for cosplay. Because I'm interested in costuming in general. And then obviously cosplay is kind of an extension of that. Yeah. And I think that so I mean the other thing is that like I've been in the anime and manga industry for fourteen years now. Um, and one of the first things I did at my job at Tokyo Pop, like literally my first week on the job, I went to Anime Expo for the first time. <laughs> um, two weeks later, I was at Comic-Con in San Diego. Um, and then I was the sort of public face of the company for a couple of years at some of kind of the smaller cons. So mm. I've done Sakura Con a couple of times. I've done uh, Otakon a couple of times, both doing sort of booth staffing and then panels and stuff. Um and I still, I mean, because AX is my local con, even though it sucks. Um, no, AX doesn't suck, but like the LA Convention Center sucks. Hmm. Um, and then San Diego, I get a free badge every year as a professional. I still do enough freelance to have professional qualification. Um, so like, I just, I end up going at least for a day or two every year. Hmm. Um, so that's a lot of accumulated convention experience. And one of the things that I think is interesting is actually how cosplay has changed over the last 15 years yeah. um, and how like more common it's become. Like I feel like yeah, the, I agree with the bar for entry for that is a lot lower than it used to be, which I think is really exciting. Like I think if you're a very serious cosplayer, then the ability of people to kind of buy mediocre costumes off of eBay from, you know, China hmm. um, can be a little frustrating for people sometimes. Um, if you're really serious about it as a, as a hobby and as kind of an artistic form. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's fun for people to be able to express themselves that way. I always appreciate even kind of like a mediocre cosplay. If somebody's really putting the effort in and, and really giving it their all. And if, if they're having fun doing it, I always think that's fun to watch. Well, you know, it's so. also it's an icebreaker. You know, yeah. and, and I think yeah. I think that's something as somebody who's sitting behind the table, I've always really appreciated that because a lot of us are not Let's just say we're not natural salespeople. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fandom of introverts for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So. I, you know, I think that's fair. <laughs> but, you know, like, if you want to talk to somebody, the costume is like an immediate in. Or not even their costume. Sometimes the person over the, some, you know, next to you's costume. Or like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, if people are carrying a thing, if people are, you know, just, it's... It's a way to kind of open up a conversation with a stranger, which is something that a lot of us are not super good at. 
Mm. Yeah. And I'd say that particularly if you're, if you're at a table, if you're at a booth, if you're kind of there in some sort of professional context, whether like corporate or whether it's sort of as an independent creator, you know, that's a way to sort of establish a little bit of street cred for yourself as well. Being like, oh man, I recognize that series or like, didn't you love it when such and such happened Mm -hmm. that like, you know, particularly now that I'm in my mid to late thirties, um, trying to talk to somebody who's clearly, you know, an older teenager, um, you know, that's a way to kind of connect to them in a way that's not creepy and weird. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree with that. I I remember, so we used to work, um, for about five years, Rebecca and I weren't doing much publishing stuff, but we did, uh, help out at Anime North, uh, Okay, let's, let's, I actually worked for the Beguiling, and so part of my job was helping to run the con Anime North, and not just, like, at the convention, but months of months ordering, of ordering books yeah. and getting them into a state where we could take our entire like store and move it to a convention center right. and all all, yeah. the, all the gritty parts <laughs> oh god <laughs> which are which are hell as anybody who has worked i mean even running your own table sucks but like on the retail mm-hmm. end when you have to move you know thousands of books but what one thing that we did is like we were just working at the retail level we each had a table that we were assigned rebecca did shoujo and i did boys love and we didn't move from those tables for like mm-hmm. 14 hours a day you know the whole weekend <laughs> and we did that for basically five years straight at anime north and that was something that you know we had done cons you know we, we were tokyo booth babes for a while um okay that's that is so misleading what you just said like, <laughs> first of all, that was the joke tokyo pop no oh, i said tokyo i'm sorry we were tokyo pop booth babes the first year we went to a con we were helping out the tokyo pop booth um and then we were at also- anime north no, at Otakon in 2002. Oh, God, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, wow. Like, or, like, that was right when they, I remember Mars had just come out in paperback. They're like, we're going to yeah. put out shoujo and books and it's going to be unflipped. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So this was a very long time ago. Um, so That's we were- the same year that I met Stu for the first time because he came and did a presentation at the college I was studying at in Japan. So oh, and there he, you go. I got a free copy of Mars um, as part go. of his so man it's such a fucking small world yeah well this was when the mega tokyo guys were still together and excited about love hina so if we want to like date this (laughs) oh my god right so um and we've done that we'd run our own tables for various things whatever but that five years of just retail where we were kind of like incognito you know, like, we didn't want to tell anybody we had worked in publishing before and we will again. Well, we hadn't even really worked very much in publishing at that I point. I mean, the first year when I was a guest at several okay, of those Okay, no, cons. okay, you did. I had, like, rewritten a couple of things. That was No, but, it. like, you, you know, you you had been in it for a while at that point. She had been helping me with, with stuff, and then we were planning to do stuff again eventually. I was just much more a retailer, though. That was, like, yeah. my thing. Anyway, my point being... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying that working at it... Not as a publisher, but purely as a retailer for those five years was some of the best, the most valuable experience I've gotten at any con. Just going Mm. there and seeing what people tell you they want and they don't see you necessarily as a human. You are literally like (laughs) the hand that's going to give them what they want. And but a lot of them did come and want suggestions too. like depending where Mm -hmm. you are, like on the boys love table, I definitely got asked more suggestions. People are like, I want porn. What should I buy? As opposed to shoujo beat, I think mm-hmm. we were a little bit more. Well, part of it is that if, if you're if side. you're a big shoujo fan, you know everything in shoujo beat. So they were like, mm-hmm. "Give me something I haven't heard of," and I'm like, "Well, okay." Like a lot of the times, 
the people would stump me because they'd read everything that had been published in English. That it was a, like the slightest bit of <laughs> the ones who had read scans and didn't understand that oh, that God. didn't mean it was in English. <laughs> Some of the, they didn't understand that scans were illegal. I, I can't tell you how many yeah. people did not understand that scans are illegal. These are like you know. A lot I'm of sure are, that's still a problem. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. They're just like, oh, you can get any manga you want for free, and I'm like, you realize these are stolen, right? Like, yeah, they didn't. And then they'd be like, no, that's not in English, and they're like, yes, it is, and I'm like, no. You're just stealing. It's a yeah. small child. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We had, um... <laughs> so boys love really... It's very revealing for a lot of people. <laughs> so first of all, I got a lot of really great sort of, like, working women in their 20s, like, in kind of, like, business casual attire with, like, wads of money being like, mm, yeah, recommend some stuff. I need some stuff. And then buying, like, <laughs> you know... Give me everything. Yeah, A lot of everything. Um, I discovered a couple things about boys who buy boys love. One is apparently all boys have a porn budget because, like, cost is Interesting. not. I mean, this is anecdotal, of course, but like, cost is not an issue with boys coming to buy boys love. Like, they uh-huh. will look at it, an imported art book from Japan from the most obscure boys love game you could possibly imagine, marked up to seventy dollars. They flip through, they're like, he's cute. Here's a wad of cash. And I was like, oh my god, women are much harder sells on average for stuff like this. They were like, well, I want it to be sweet, but not too sweet. But I wanted to have like like a sex scene that shows this, this, but not this. Or like, <laughs> I like it if it's funny, and I, but I want to balance it out with something, you know. Like they, they were, even the ones who came and spent a lot, they were very carefully curating it. The yeah. boys who wanted it were like, I'd, I'd hit it. <laughs> I'll buy this one. I don't care how much it yeah. is. Having tabled next to uh, the the fine folks at Yowie Revolution at WonderCon a couple years ago, I can definitely back that up. Yeah. That, like, the guys who came by that table would be like, yup, I'll take all of this stuff. You know, is it hot? Is it my kink? Yes. Done. <laughs> um, again, yeah, here's a wad of cash. Yeah. And then the women who came by were a lot more, like, particular about what they were looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're, they're like, the yes and no. Um, interesting. Yeah, and the other thing was, I mean, my personal favorite is when <laughs> a guy and his sister came by, um, and she was she was in a wheelchair and he was pushing her, and she looked at one particular title that was really silly, and I, you could tell she did not read Boys Love, and she was like, I don't know, she was picking it up and she was making fun of it and she was showing her brother, and they were laughing about it together, laughing at the table, moved on. A little later, he came back. He's like, I need this, 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 and this. Here's the money. Just give it to me now. (laughs) Oh, you don't need to be ashamed, buddy. Okay, let's be fair. I don't want to hear about my siblings' porn tastes. (laughs) Yeah, maybe because well, that's true. Yeah, and he was fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) The situation dictated that he couldn't really leave, or she'd be abandoned (laughs) there. Um, so yeah, there, and actually that's the first time I met, uh, Lisa Patillo, who eventually, you know, we obviously mm. worked with, she came by the table, um, and we talked a little bit and I ended up, I think, foisting Gerard and Jacques on her. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. yeah, and then, you know, we met many other times before that, but she left quite an impression on me. Oh my God. I, okay. I know, I know it's a hard read. A lot of people failed out of the first opening deflowering scene in a brothel, but Nice. Oh, that's like I, I consider that like the Mona Lisa of gay porn. I love that. One of the highlights of my career. Um, but yeah, no, like it, they. What was really uh, people would come back year after year, and they're like, "Oh, I really yeah. like this one." You know, what's the next? What's another one that I should get in that sort of vein? Reasonable reason. Um, 
Yeah. It, there was very much kind of this, I'm here to spend money. Help me find something that will make me happy. Um, you didn't have to put on this. You know, when you work for a publishing table, you have to put on a little bit of the sales face where you're like trying to convince people mm-hmm. that this is something that they want because they've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> but a retailer booth is very different. People know kind of what they want. You just sort of, but you, you guide them a little bit. And it's really fun. It, it's like you're talking to them. You know, there's mm-hmm. something about kind of, like a sales clerk, right? Like, again, you're less a person, more kind of a set of hands and, like, um, you know, a brain that kind of knows where stuff is shelved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, for nice people, you're clearly, mm-hmm. like, making them happy. Mm. For, you're you're also sometimes dealing with, for example, like, 16-year-olds who heard you're able to haggle at cons, who think that haggling <laughs> means... Mm, I want all of this most popular thing right now. Can you give it to me for 50% off? And I'm like, no, stupid child. You don't know how to do things. <laughs> so, like, I mean, this is this sounds really bad, but, you know, cons were exhausting. But one of the kind of nice things was that you got to be a little more brusque with the customers than, than in, like, our store, you know? Because, like, there's just money and hands and comics flying everywhere. <laughs> and it was just, like you know, nonstop chaos for hours and hours and hours. And so it was a little bit like you kind of follow the rules or you don't get served a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely think people give and, and give and take a little bit. Um, it's a little more bizarre kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what's fun about cons is that sort of carnivalesque atmosphere. So it's like you're there to have yeah. an experience and to kind of like say and be seen and to do stuff that's a little different from like oh, it's a very normal day. Yeah. And that, that goes yeah. everything from the attendees all the way up to the people working the booths. It's like as exhausting <laughs> as working a booth is, you know, whatever your role is, um, it's also a change from what you do every day. You know, even mm-hmm. if you're working retail generally every day, it's different to be in the convention atmosphere. Yeah. You know, for me being behind a desk at Tokyo Pop and copy mm-hmm. ed- editing stuff all day and whatever. Um, sending emails, you know, being able to kind of sit in the booth and, and really interact with fans yeah. and, and talk to people and see what they were excited about and look at what the latest cosplay trends were and be like, what should we be licensing? Um, that's all really like getting that kind of face-to-face interaction, I think is such a crucial part of fandom. Um, and I think it's so cool about conventions in general is the, the social aspect again it's it's a lot of people who aren't necessarily all that sociable for the most part you know if you spend a lot of your fandom time on the internet um you know you may be talking to people a lot on the internet but it's still different getting to mm. meet them in person and have yeah, that interaction um and you know now that i'm there almost essentially in yeah. a, a professional and kind of networking capacity i basically just spend my time at comic-con kind of walking up and down the convention floor and saying hello to all my friends um people who i know are at booths i can be like i'm gonna go here here and here yeah. because i know that there's somebody who i know there you know i'm gonna go say hi to folks at first second i'm gonna go check out so-and-so's table but you know again because mm-hmm. i've been doing this for almost 15 years if i just walk around like a convention i am almost guaranteed to run into somebody who i know um particularly at like the wonder cons the the comic cons, the AXs, cause they're my kind of home cons. Um, there's just, you know, my friends who I just, they're out there buying stuff and saying hello to people too. So, and that's, that's always really exciting. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think for, for us, TCAF is definitely that show. You just, 
you walk there and you see 15 people you know and you end up giving hugs to everybody and just, you know, running yeah. around. You know, I've I've read a lot about, um, you know, stuff that especially kind of older, crankier people don't <laughs> like about cons. Because I, I want to talk a little bit about if you're running your own table. Because I think a lot of people who listen to this probably have either done that or aspired to do that or they <laughs> shop at them. You know, like they yeah. shop at the Artist Alley. Um, and there were a couple of things that I've heard, um, again, forgive the expression, the old cranks constantly complaining about. One of them is the Wall of Prince, <laughs> which I'm sure you've heard about, you know, they will not shut up about it on Twitter. Um, that There's basically over the last maybe 10, 15 years, you know, there has been this, um, in the same way that cosplay, evol- um, there was like an evolution of cosplay, um, Prince became like... 75% of Artist Alley. And there are very obvious mm-hmm. reasons for that. Markup is incredibly high. They're very profitable when you sell them. Mm-hmm. They're very easy to kind of um, just pack mm-hmm. when you bring them. Like you can just bring yeah. like a thousand prints in your suitcase and a piece of cake. They're easy to buy and usually fairly easy to transport, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the size. But you know, it's it's a good impulse purchase. People mm-hmm. just somebody likes it, they want it on their wall. Yeah, it's also yeah. You have to sell it much less than a book. Like mm-hmm. a book, someone wants to know what's it about. Is it good? They have. It's almost. It's more of a time commitment. Whereas a print, yeah. you're like, oh, there's the characters I like, and they're almost kissing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's, I think, an imme- there's an immediate yeah. reaction to it and stuff, and um, like, and also it skirts. It can sometimes. I don't. It does not actually skirt copyright law, but I think it skirts it more than maybe some things like i know that like even fan artists who make money off fan art which you're not supposed to do a lot of them have lines they won't cross such as like i won't do logo rips and and, you know like i won't take a trademarked logo from something and make it into a headband or remember there was like fan Mm -hmm. naruto headbands Mm -hmm. and they were everywhere Mm -hmm. and like stuff like that like um but it I think also some people are like, oh, they won't crack down on me, which they have started to do. So yeah, it really depends what the fandom is. Like, I, yeah, the, I'm gonna just throw this out here because something I sort of heard through the grapevine. But Sanrio is like hardcore, so all the Agretzko fans mm. are in trouble. Maybe interesting. Uh, so. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's right, like how they're... Marvel, Marvel was right. the one before that people were really cracking down on. Right, and I think especially if we're talking specifically anime cons. The chance that a Japanese licensor is going to crack down on you is way lower than any of these kind of like, well, Sanrio's Japanese, but yeah. like that Marvel, their their people are at mm-hmm. the show, but there's probably not going to be like a lot of actual Katakawa executives at, you know, mm-hmm. SakuraCon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, some, some people use this as kind of Yeah, like, and I also wonder if there's a little bit more of allowance made there since Japan has such a big yeah. Jojinshi culture, you yeah, know? Yeah, that too. Um, I mean, yeah, no. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know that their copyright law is kind of, like, there are things that are a lot stricter than ours and things that are a lot looser than ours. And yes, kind of, you that's know. true. So it really kind of depends on the, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, beware of Sanrio, yeah. I guess is the, mm. the, the, what I've Yeah, I would say that, like, I think the thing that, from my perspective as a semi-professional, that I am skeptical of and kind of current convention culture is the number of merch related things that people are selling these days so like i love all those little keychains i love all those little bags and t-shirts and stuff those are definitely gonna start to run you afoul of like a company at some Mm. point if people got serious about cracking down on that those would be the things that i think they'd really pick on um because they they really do feel like they're competing with official merchandise um 
in in mm-hmm. ways that if I were a large company, I would be concerned about. Um, and I think they're cool right. because because com- large companies don't sell yeah, a lot of posters, like, they're but a lot they do sell a lot of other stuff. Cuter and cooler in a lot of cases than what the official product lines are. There's a big diversity of them, so like I totally get the appeal. Um, but if I were running a a booth myself, I'd be very nervous about selling that. Things start to get much stricter. So, and also, yeah, and I yeah, think also I was going to say oh, like go ahead. the thing that I'm looking for when I'm going around Artist Alley, you know, given what I do as an as an editor, is actually like floppy comics and like people's little you know, ash cans and stuff. And I do feel like the the overwhelming sort of amount of merch I think kind of pushes some of like the ash cans to the side a little bit in a way that I find kind of disappointing. Like, I don't think America is ever going to have the doujinshi culture that Japan does for a a wide variety of reasons, but it seemed like there was an uptick of it for a while. And then it kind of went away again um, in favor of things that are easier and more. Again, I I get why people do this because like you can do one charm design and then print 500 charms of it and sell those. And the amount of time that it takes you to do that as an artist is a fraction of what it would take you to do an ash can. So like yeah. the effort to, to reward right. ratio is way higher selling merch. Um, but like, right. I wish that I saw more people stretching their comics wings um, in the art alley. Yeah. It doesn't sell. Yeah. It's part of the problem. Like, I think this is kind of a little bit of a self-perpetuating cycle that it's like when you sell a lot of prints and yeah. people buy a lot of prints and, and they kind of sustain, they kind of sustain each other. Um, I, I think that's kind of why I hear this more from kind of old cranks because they're on a little <laughs> more edit. I mean, they, a lot of them have a big problem with the copyright infringement, which totally makes sense. But I think a lot of them also they feel the same way that you do. Um, that and and I agree. I, I really prefer buying books or like doujinshi and stuff from people, um, but they just don't do as well for yeah. the most part. You have to be when I think about people who actually are successful at doing doujinshi, I can think of like count on yeah. one hand and. Um, one of them is uh, Lucid's group. Lucky uh, Juice. Lucky yeah. Juice? Is that the name of... Th- yeah, the Dojinshi group. Um, and that's because they fucking yeah. nail it every single time. Like, the <laughs> aesthetics of the book, the, the 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 price range is kind of right for what it is. Like, it's, it's expensive-ish, but not too expensive. Yeah. And they tend to kind of do fancy, like, foil prints on the cover to kind of make it worth it. Um, so they're not shooting themselves in the foot. Because that's the other thing that I wanted to bring up, that, like, Dojinshi culture floppies are shockingly mm-hmm. expensive to print up. Mm-hmm. And I think people see them and they don't put a lot of value on them. And then if somebody's like, oh, I want to do a perfect bound book, then you have to right. have more pages in order to actually fill it out. Um, and that's something that Lucky Juice does really well. They do the perfect bound kind of doujinshi style so they can up the price just a little bit mm-hmm. when a perfect bound doesn't actually cost you that mm-hmm. much more to do. Um, but it's something that somebody it has a spine. It that feels like it shelf, has more value. You know, stuff like that. They're, they're Right. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's kind of interested in sort of how would one, like, who are Westerners doing doujinshi, uh, Lucky Juice's stuff, it's like fucking spot on. And it, <laughs> they're very successful at it. Uh, and I really, oh my God, I really liked the Uran Ice one <laughs> I bought last year. That was They've done that a was couple good. of those now. Um, they, yeah. It was the first one. Uh, the <laughs> Okay, I was going to say the naughty one. Naughty. They're all really naughty. <laughs> that doesn't, so that doesn't narrow it down. Um, yeah. Plus, they they yeah. they do a good job of it. They kind of yeah. So um, I always when people talk about that, I I kind of steer them in the direction like look at what Lucky Juice is doing. If this is something that you're sort of interested in, they also do digital versions on their site and stuff. And I think um, I think Lucid might have it as a tier on her Patreon. 
Uh, of course, she's got a very successful webcomic, because that's the other thing. A lot of people whose books actually sell, whether it's a webcomic or a doujinshi or a floppy or whatever, they have usually built themselves up as an original creator for years. Lucid started um, doing webcomics, I think, in 2008 Yeah, they've been something. around for a really I mean, long time. I didn't realize it until I bought one of their ever. earlier books. I think actually at TCAF when I was there. Um, and I was like, oh my god, I Maybe. remember seeing this back when I was at Tokyo Pop. So... Yeah, she, she's been, you know, doing it for a very long time. Um, we saw, actually, she had done a really great presentation with um, Bell and Hazel at one of these cons that I sat in on. Um, and it was just really fascinating. But yeah, part of why, she, when she was explaining her process, she's like, start in 2008. Because she's been a very successful independent creator. Um, everybody should, if you like, if you were a girl who learned about sex from Gundam Wing Dojinshi... <laughs> Um, that's kind of her aesthetic. <laughs> like, you would love her stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess my, my critique there isn't creators so much as actually the buying audience, that, like, I wish that more people were buying yeah. floppies, mm -hmm. that more people would make floppies, and then I could buy them, too. Yeah. But, anyway. Yes. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel the exact same way, but, I mean, I think part of it is that con culture has kind of split up, because there are, you know, the TCAFs and the VanCAFs and the MOCAs and the, the, right. the ones that are much more comics oriented versus the ones that are you know the anime cons versus like the movie star cons that used to be comic cons but aren't mm -hmm. anymore and they you know bring in tom hiddleston mm -hmm. or whatever and mm -hmm. uh you know like like every con has its own personality and some of them are gamer cons and some of them skew much more one way or the other and some of them like really build themselves that way and some of them just kind of like turned out that way because of the guests they kept bringing in the 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 things that pe people felt like doing at them Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it's kind of like know know what you're getting into, because like there are shows that we just you know we we uh, stopped doing. Well, we used to do Kineticon because Lan and I are are local. It's like a ten minute drive, so <laughs> we could go home every night and sleep in our own beds and stuff like that. But you know, the table was expensive, and the show just wasn't that friendly to a publisher, and and that's something that we've struggled a lot with well, a lot you know of the what, like. What's sad about Kineticon is, for a long time, and still to a point, it's actually a very webcomic-friendly con, but it's also a more general interest con. And whenever you have a general interest con, um, the stuff that overpowers everything else is games. Like, like every time. Like, video games, they do e like live mm. esports at Kineticon. They have all these gaming tables and stuff. And, like... There was one year we did it, remember that year that was really bad for us, it was like they had moved the games to be right next to us, and that was the wrong mm -hmm. crowd to, for us <laughs> to be talking to. Like, not to say that our audience does not play games, but yeah, they are not I play a gamers. hell of a lot of games, but yeah, like... Y you're, you know what I mean? They're not... Yeah. You know they're not esports mm -hmm. guys, like, and and their and their crowd. We were surprised, and we found out that other people who were doing kind of anime and manga, they're like, yeah, none of us did well that year. Because that's the other thing that we skew pretty manga y, mm -hmm. um, and manga is largely kind of, well, forgive the term, but sort of ghettoized in a lot of these general uh, mm -hmm. comic cons. So even though some web comics have done very well there, um, it's a little bit tricky. It's a big show. And and TCAF is very friendly to web comics, like the 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 ones that are kind of the these the cons that are more book focused and stuff. Um, and anime cons, it depends. Like I said, and like we've been saying, a lot of people buy sort of the merch and the fan stuff. But you know, sometimes a particular web comic can do well at those. Um, but general interest, it's like oh, there's going to be a lot of stinky gamers, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, well, part of it is that as either an 
as an independent artist or as a small publisher like us, the deck is just kind of stacked against you anyway in yeah. terms of like, you know, because a retailer has thousands and thousands of books and you have like between one and 20. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, if so- somebody could buy out your entire, every book on your table and they'd end up paying maybe a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. And they're not going to. And then also each individual sale takes longer because they want to know what it's about. Again, it's the same thing we were talking before. It's less of like, Korasami, I'm so happy. And then you point mm-hmm. at it and you hand over your $15 and the, the print costs like, you know, 50 cents to mm-hmm. print. I mean, obviously the, you're paying for the art, but I'm just saying like in terms of, you know, Hard actual upfront stuff. costs, yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. Other than your computer and your tablet, you know, it's your time and then the cost of the print is very inexpensive. Um, and the print, a print costs on average between 5 and $15, which is what a floppy a, or yeah. book costs. And, and it's just, it, they're harder to stack, they're harder to store. Like, like the book is just so much more work. And yet people will pay $15 for a print without mm-hmm. even second guessing it. But, and, they but they have to spend 20 minutes hearing everything about this book and reading the first chunk before they decide they, if they want to do it or not. And I think it's 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 kind of a, a cultural thing. And I think mm-hmm. that's why, Lillian, you were the one who were telling me years ago that, you know, I was always like, why doesn't Tokyo Pop do more cons? Why, you know? And you were like, because publishers really struggle yeah. at them, <laughs> you know, um, you're not. It, you're not necessarily, I mean, sparklers, because we, we run our own store, but a lot of other publishers, they don't really have good access to their book. They're going to have to ship tons of things. To make it worthwhile, time. yeah. They're obviously not going to be able, yeah, they're not going to be able to compete with the retailers who, like Becca said, have a little bit of everything from all the publishers, just the popular stuff. Yeah, like, why would, why would somebody not go to the people who just basically brought everything off the shelves of their store? Right. And have, you know, all the series they follow versus somebody who only has, like, you know, one one-eighth of the manga section because right. they're, you know... And when you're representing a publisher, you can't interact with the fandom the same way and they don't treat you the same way either because you're a little bit more of a gatekeeper, which can add... You know, sometimes <laughs> it's not necessarily going to result in bad things, but it can either add stress or awkwardness. A lot of editors don't like working at those shows. <laughs> um, they don't want to be handling sweaty money all day. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that, like, I think there's well, a lot of value in doing um, presentations at cons. But it was always really difficult for yes. us to figure out the ROI on like certain kinds of promotions. So like when Tokyo Pop right. was first really doing a lot of original content, you know, we brought creators out and we did signings and we did giveaways and we did postcards and all of this stuff. And it was difficult to see a direct result in that in sales and some of that of like those individual yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Like we could feel like the con itself was an overall right. successful experience, but like as many people as go to San Diego Comic-Con, the number of whom actually would stop by the Tokyo Pop booth at the right time and have the right interaction for that to kind of stick in their head. I always found that math to be really yeah. difficult. And I think it's different when you're a yeah. corporate entity promoting 20 different people versus one or two creators at a table who are kind of self-promoting or like even a smaller publisher who's yeah. kind of a little more narrowly focused. Um, it's a really interesting mm-hmm. challenge. And like, I think that that's, this is where I'm not as happy with where like big, like scale um, convention culture has gone is that I think particularly places like San Diego Comic-Con and to a lesser extent, the wonder cons and kind of the comic cons of the world. Um, like it's so dominated by 
the corporate side and these like big corporate promotions for whether it's movie or TV or video games or whatever, that I think a lot of like the smaller content creators are getting pushed aside a little bit. Um, and the fandom mm-hmm. tends to, be, or the attendees at the cons tend to be mostly interested in swag rather than interaction. Mm. And that I also find a little frustrating. Um, and so like for years when Tokyo pop had a big booth at these cons, we would have, we were kind of one of the, like the generators of like, the con bag trend so the idea of having a giant branded Mm. bag that you could hand out and just put all your swag in um if we weren't the first company to do that we were one of the first and it was a big deal that you'd see people everywhere it was we used those bags for years at beguiling yeah (laughs) um and so i literally spent like almost all of my time at the booth just refilling the the like hangers full of bags because like you'd fill them People would descend like locusts, take all of them, and then, you know, you'd have to go do it all over again. Um, and it was tedious, mm. but it was also like, well, at least that branding is going out into the world. <laughs> like, that is yeah, for relatively cheap. Because now everywhere in the con, you're seeing Tokyo Pop everywhere. Um, but, yeah. you know, you'd have postcards or books or whatever, and people would just, like, again, descend like locusts, but instead of at least it kind of being part of a larger branding thing it would disappear into those bags and like who knows if that person ever read it when they got home who knows if they ever really looked at it again it's just yeah it's sort of this acquisition for the sake of acquisition um and i find that Mm. to be like more and more distasteful (laughs) like i've never liked it and i find it you know like i think I i remember like at least in my experience i feel like that used to be that used to be more of a trend than it is now because i remember sort of in the early years of cons, we would have have people come by and take either our business card or our postcard or whatever, like compulsively. They were just collecting them from all the tables, and I'm like, "All right, like I, I know this person is not going to go look these people up when they go home. They just kind of they're they're collecting anything that's free." Um, but I I feel like the, the because people going to cons have evolved, the people have grown up. You know, con culture is a little bit more, you know, like it's got a history and stuff. Um, I think people are looking for interactions a little bit more now than maybe they were in sort of thinking 10 years ago or so. Um, and, and I say this as, you know, we had done both artists at, we've done as, as sparkler, we've done both artist alley and dealer's room. And in both cases, it's like a lot of people will take the freebie if they are, mm. they don't want to buy anything, but they feel guilty. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's like the most, I mean, I right. don't blame anyone for no, trying to do the graceful Table exit, yeah. you know. I, mean, I know how it's awkward. You, oh, you always want to. Like, some of those people look, do generally look us up because we definitely get like more likes on Facebook. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I know that face. Yeah, yeah. You're... I mean, there there are people who do like you know the the swag pictures on uh, mm-hmm. on on Twitter or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like like I don't know. Like I mean, I I feel a little bit like San Diego Comic Con is probably bad though. Like yeah. the more corporate a con a the con more, is, the more corporate a con is, the more crowded a con is. Yeah. Also, I mean, I like just the number of That's people true. in the room really does have an effect on that because I mean, what kind of conversation are you supposed to have when you literally can't hear anybody and you're crushed up against the table and you know that kind of thing? And I mean, I also think that you know, people are going to have interactions with creators. You know, like mm. like not to not to diss your your uh, Tokyo Pop days as like you know refilling bags or anything, but like 
you know, the reason people go to cons is they want to talk to somebody who's involved in making the stuff that they like, you know? And I, I think that, like, obviously, point, there's, yeah. yeah, there's a difference between, like, uh, you know, I mean, like, like being an editor is one of the big unsung, uh, uh, parts of the industry yeah. and that's you know i think we're all we're all accepting of that that unfortunately yeah. it's a job where your mistakes get get you know dragged out for everyone else to for everyone to see but you're you know when you do your job right, right. nobody notices yeah uh and that's just part of the deal you know yeah. but uh you know i think i i i know i mean i've sat at plenty of con tables where you know even back before sparkler existed we did the tokyo demons table mm-hmm. and you know i think Gosh, I can't even remember which con it was, and I wouldn't want to say it because it's kind of a mean thing, but we had this one convention we did where we were in the very back corner of this room. Oh, God, and that was so bad. Not only was the, like, the crowd was just, nobody seemed excited to be there. It seemed like it was just kind of, like, rote, like they were just, like, nobody really had much money, and you can't blame people for not having much money, but just, they didn't even seem to care about they look you know. like they'd been forced there. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't seem to care about books. And it's like, I'm not, I'm never going to be offended when somebody, like, doesn't buy our books. Unless, like, somebody, you know, I don't know, wasted, like, 45 minutes of my time acting like they were going to buy a book and then not buying it. Maybe that would be kind of annoying. But, like, I'm not going to be offended if somebody walks away. There's plenty of reasons somebody doesn't buy a book. And sometimes it's just being broke or whatever. But And, like, but, like... I want to at least have good interactions with people, you yeah. know? You know what? It's <laughs> okay, story about that con. Oh, God. It was a terrible weekend. And a bunch of people we knew worked it. And I guess that con had just moved. So it was like, especially everybody was like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. The crowd was bad. And then on the very last day, when I was alone, this guy came in. All of a sudden, he was really friendly. He was like, yeah, I want to, you know, what you're working on here or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, somebody nice. And then he started going into, you know, I make a lot of money working from home, you know, and there are (laughs) other opportunities for other people to make as much money as I am. And I was like, wait a minute, are you a living, like, disquist spam, (laughs) like, comment? Are you fucking doing a pitch to me and I'm in behind this table and I can't get up? So, like, the minute he left, I'm like, we are fucking leaving this con. This con (laughs) sucks. Oh, my God. And then, you know, but oh, as we God. were packing up, and I was, like, angry at this point. I was like, how dare you come in and do that to us? And then, like, somebody came back, and he was like, oh, are you leaving? I wanted to buy, I think we were selling Tokyo Demons. He's like, I wanted to buy book two. And I was like, were you here yesterday? He's like, yeah, I bought book one just on a whim, and I stayed home, and I read it, and I really liked it. And I want to buy book two in the poster, and thank you for writing this. I'm like, thank you, sir. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, he made the day so much better. Yeah. But, like. Yeah, when you have a bad crowd, there's nothing worse than that. Because you're trying to be, like, friendly and open to people who, you know, that's rare. Most cons have at least some, you know, I mean, again, that's a really good example. Because the guy (laughs) after him was, like, super sweet. Yeah, I have to say, that con. Okay, so the people next to, okay, so we were in the, I I, I just, I'm going to tell the story of this bad con. Because (laughs) it's just kind of incredible. So we were in the back corner. So the person, like you know, up against us, uh, around the corner from us, was, like, a semi-popular webcomic artist. And she was totally lovely and a perfectly wonderful person. However, she was someone who had a couple of people who just really wanted to talk to her. And they just stood in front of our table the entire time blocking it. The people next to us were, like, the Jedi League. Oh, God. Like, the lightsaber battle people. people, And they had... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they were, but they were... 20 of them. 
they were, they were there were like 20 of them and like hypothetically the place was supposed to be for them to like oh, sign man. people up but in actuality it was like a place for them to drop their backpacks and then occasionally just like whip at each other with lightsabers also in front of our table <laughs> like this is, this is just the worst it's show the friends we were sharing the hotel room with didn't get in until four in the morning and were like they were merch people so they were like dragging their things in and they kept smashing it against the bed where I was trying to sleep it was just like kind of everything tired it was like a 12 hour drive to and from that and like sucks. oh god just the whole the, it was probably everybody's the worst. got those heroin concerts yeah. you know you know though I, I heard so many kids who who visit cons like who aren't working there. But have you heard of, like, kids who have a lot of sex at cons, basically, but <laughs> yeah. because usually it's, like, eight people to a room, um, people will be having sex while other people are sort of sharing the room oh, God. with them. And, like, a lot of the time they're teenagers who, like, fell in love on the internet and they're, like, going to meet at the con and have sex for the first time. So is that the just, plot of DramaCon? Everything is so gross. <laughs> Well, like, you know what? It's funny, because DramaCon was kind of, like, the slightly yeah, classier yeah. way of it, even though, like, because I've heard really, really terrible stories. Or people, like, a girl who's sharing a room with five men who she met through her Sailor Moon mailing list and has never met in person before, and she's like, I'll just share a hotel room with these five strangers I've never met. And, like, we had a, there was a joke we had for a while, um... We wanted to do a a Naruto promise ring, which was saving it oh for the Oh my con. god. <laughs> Oh my god! Because I heard so many stories about this that, and also like p- industry guests hooking up with fans and mm. and just yeah. like the the sexual grossness and and sometimes it's funny. It's like a really sexually charged atmosphere, and people are wearing signs with weird messages on them that we had to have explained to us by like our gay friends. They're like, "Yeah, no, that was a a symbol for this, this, this," and it's like, "Oh my god, really? Like, how old was that person?" <laughs> um. I feel like so, the thing about working know, at con is you're always too tired at the end of the day to engage in anything other than like dinner, maybe some alcohol, and like an early bedtime. <laughs> yeah, no, at our age, you, yes. you go to the you go to the bar and you bitch yeah. about the industry. Yeah, yeah that's what you do. There's a lot of that until like nine thirty p.m. and then you're, and you're like, like I'm done. I'm Peace out. Yeah, yeah, basically. So I mean. The good side. See, all I'm thinking of, this is not a con I actually went to. It was just something I saw on Twitter, but there was a sign up for the Yuri on Ice orgy, and the bottom was Yurio is banned. That's a thing? (laughs) The Yuri on Ice themed orgy. I don't know. It It was a posting. It was was something I saw as like a, like just a. Poor Yurio. It was real or not, but it was. I thought that had become a hashtag. too young. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah young, that's that why. They were like, we don't want any 15-year-olds at this. Uh, or anybody dressed yeah. as a 15-year-old. Okay. Yeah. No one dresses as a 15-year-old at this uh, yeah. ice skate anime orgy. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> I just... I, I want to go a little bit into... Um, you know, I was talking to somebody about this very recently, so I wanted to go a little bit into if you want to run your own table, if we have some, some tips yeah. that we can share for people. Um, and also just, I guess, yeah, I think it's like convention survival, convention etiquette. Yeah. Yeah. So who wants to go first with a couple good, uh, a couple good. Uh, so I say my convention survival, whether you're working a booth or whether you're there on your own is don't skimp on breakfast. Like actually taking the time to eat a good Mm -hmm. breakfast is invaluable because you may or may not have time to eat lunch. You may not want to pay $15 for shitty con food and 
keeping your blood sugar up over the course of the day is going to make you an infinitely happier human being. Um, a corollary to that is hydrate. Um, whether you're again, mm, walking yes. around or whether you're behind the booth, bring your own water bottle and refill it like every second, because that will again, make you a much happier camper. I feel like cons are always like either too hot or too cold, but either way, drinking water is a good mm. idea. Uh, wear layers. So if it's too cold, you can put them on. If it's too hot, you can take them off and wear comfortable shoes and, and shower at least every other day, <laughs> if not daily, depending on the relative temperature <laughs> that will make everyone around you a happier camper as well. Let's get a little yeah. there. <laughs> I think my con tips have to do much more with being an introvert and trying to do sales mm. because Okay, I'm going to tell embarrassing stories about myself for five minutes, oh, not boy. five full minutes. But basically, like, I I grew up with, like, the worst stage fright imaginable. Like, I think Leanne says the first, like, we went to elementary school together, and I had to do some kind of presentation. I don't even remember. It was second grade. I had to do a presentation. I got up in front of the cl- class, and, like, I was just, like, crying my eyes out because oh, I was no. so freaked out by being uh, uh, being in front of people. And Lan was like, why is she crying? She did fine. And I'm just like, yeah. I, I mean, feel I like was... that's still our dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But I mean, like, you know. Believe in yourself, Becca. <laughs> all through school, and this is up to, like, I mean, there are really embarrassing stories about me in high school, like, basically panicking in front of a, like, in, when, when people were looking at me when I had to speak. And and running out of the room in tears and, like, getting pity C's on my oral reports in school and stuff like that. And even just, you know, today I was trying to explain a concept to Lillian and I turned it and it was basically my mouth turned into mush and I couldn't, like, say words or anything. So, you know, I'm not someone who is taken easily to sales, but there are some tricks I kind of learned and... and Part of it is if you're actually going to sell at a table, and I feel like, you know, some people know this and some people don't. There are a lot of people who they they just, they kind of want their art to sell itself. But it doesn't really work like that most of the time, unless you've got, like, a really big name for yourself online or something like that. Like, actually engaging with people as best you can, like, really, really helps you actually sell things. And it just, it's more of those good interactions with people. It's just, uh... You know, it makes them remember you, it makes them more likely to buy your stuff, it makes them more likely to look up your stuff online. And so if you really want to be, you know, someone who's making a name for themselves in comics and making a career out of comics, it's like a really important thing that you learn how to do. So, you know, it's just things like, if if you're the sort of person who, like, the words go out of your head when you're put on the spot, you've got to have, like, a little blurb that you came up with beforehand for everything on your table. So when somebody says, what is this book about? You've got, like, three different versions that, you know, of things you could say about it, you know? Uh, I think greeting people when they come over is a really good thing to do, you know? Just, like, like I'll usually have a line where if someone's standing at my table for more than a couple of seconds, it's like, you know, just something like, so are you looking for anything in particular? Or, you know, just like, can I help you with anything? Uh, can I help you? F- you can I help you find something? You know, you can ask a more leading question like, "What genre are you into?" If you're, you know, doing something like that, or if you've got two different books on your table and one's, you know, one's a horror and one's a romance, it's like, "What do you like better, horror or romance?" And then you can kind of use that as a way to lead them into mm-hmm. this stuff. Uh, if that stuff if doesn't feel like something you can do yet, literally just making eye contact and smiling kind of engages with people, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of makes it clear to them that they can talk to you and you can answer questions and stuff like that. Like I was saying before, like, 
cosplay is the best icebreaker there is, you know? It's like, oh, I love your crown, or, oh, you're into such and such anime? Me too, you know? Like, it just, it's it's a way to, if you're a shy person and you have trouble interacting with somebody, it's like, you guys have found common ground immediately, you know? Um, like, like, I've just... Sales is is a tough thing to learn, but like you know, like I'm not even gonna say I'm that great a salesperson. And sometimes, like like bad interactions, they kind of stick with you. It makes you feel bad for the for a little while. But like you know, try to really just hang on to the good ones. You know, there's always gonna be somebody who comes over and is encouraging. And even even you know, either people who buy stuff or even just people who say this is really cool and they take your postcard and and you know, maybe they're gonna look your stuff up later. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think, I think it's just like, you can't, you can't keep your head, you know, in your pad and, and draw and ignore people and, and just, uh, you know, let them pass you by if you want to really kind of make an impression mm-hmm. at conventions. Kind so. of a little bit the other, I don't want to say necessarily the other side of that, but part of that though is to keep in mind that, like you said, a lot of people in comics are fairly introverted or, you know, interactions make them uncomfortable. So you also have to know when to back off. Um, I think that. It's, it's a little bit of a shame to go to a con and not make good interactions because I feel like that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people just want to kind of mill around and do something quietly and they'll smile and nod at you and you move on. So you don't want to, like, belabor any points. Um, also, you don't want to talk at someone for too long. Depending on either side <laughs> of the booth, there have definitely been times where people will not leave our table um, that they, they want to talk. I mean, and if it's like a friend or somebody like... That we're having a good interaction with that we can kind of pull to the side. Um, that's one yeah, thing. They but call that the booth barnacles. Yeah, that, I've know, heard that term. Kind of a... But yeah, it's the people who kind of th- there's very limited space and visibility. And if you're at a table for more than a couple minutes, you're basically blocking somebody else who could be there. And you know, w- what are you really talking to this person about? Like, <laughs> you know, be kind of polite and like, especially we we definitely have people come and kind of pitch ideas to us. Which is not inherently a bad thing because we do scout at shows. And I think some of the in-person pitches we got were from like Alexis mm-hmm. Cook and Kaiju. So like it definitely can <laughs> pay off. But don't don't spend 45 minutes to me explaining about like your D&D character that you're one day going to turn into. And honestly, game. that's like, just good like, pitching etiquette I'm too. Not... Like if it takes you 45 minutes to explain your pitch, it's <laughs> yeah. not a good pitch. So... Right. Well, that's the, that's basically, you know, the same as this. Like, like, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say have, you know have a way to sell everything on your table it's yeah. like you're, it's basically your your mm-hmm. elevator pitch you know yeah. mm-hmm. you say like this is a story about you know four dragons trying to make it in the big city <laughs> or something i want to read that <laughs> yeah. yeah read the shit out of that uh you know and you've got kind of a way to explain it and then you've got a couple you know i mean if it's your own story hopefully you can talk about it a little bit in depth you know people tend to have questions about like like, like having a good idea in your head of like is this okay for a 12 year old? Because sometimes somebody comes over with their mom or their dad and they're like, you know, do you have to steer them away from this one or, or is it okay? Uh, you know, just, just, uh, I mean, there's a lot to it. And obviously like if what you want to do with the con is like get some commissions from people and just sort of let your, let your arts, you know, sell itself, that's fine. It's just more like how to really kind of get the most out of a convention, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's, yeah. The, your mileage may vary, but I, I think those are really good points, though. Like, it, it, if, if it doesn't feel like your thing, it might be worth trying still to make those connections. And I think also, I think it injects 
creative juice mm-hmm. into you when, when you talk to people like that. So oh, yeah. even if like you're you're doing commissions at the con and you need to work at the table and whatever, just looking up and smiling, you know, a lot of the time people will be like, oh, I really like your art. And just even little things like that can build up and make you feel better mm-hmm. if you've been, yeah. you know, basically in your basement drawing all year. <laughs> yeah. Or even just like, if you don't really want to do, I mean, you know, I'm not even talking about stuff that's the hard sell, but if you don't really want to do sales stuff, something like just saying, feel free to take a postcard as a way to break mm-hmm. that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I like, so, I like what you said about having a couple things that you say when your mm-hmm. brain stops. That's mm-hmm. really good to have. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the only way I've gotten through human interaction for mm-hmm. my entire life. So, <laughs> Yeah, even just asking somebody, oh, hey, how's your cute. con going? Are you having a good time? What's something fun that yeah. you've seen? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's like a way to kind of mm-hmm. engage people. And, and whether you're doing it like from sort of a, a market research perspective of what are people into? What could I be doing next year that's going to be appealing to them? Or just generally, like, what have I not seen yet that I might think is cool and, and inspiring? Um, I think that, like, that level of fan interaction and um, and exposing yourself to kind of other people's interests and what else is going on um, I think that's a really good way to kind of feel like your own fandom is is sort of fresh and exciting. So um, mm. what cool stuff is out there that you don't know about yet? Um, what's something that mm. you might be into? So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I want to talk a little bit about packing for a show um, if, if you're running <laughs> a booth. Uh I think it's very easy to pack way too much. Oh, yeah. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. If you sell, like, unless you're, like, a really big name, don't expect to sell more than, like, 20 or 30 copies of a book. Um, Like, if you sell, you know, if it's it's a long, if you're a big name, you're launching a book, it's brand new, it's launching at the show, like, yeah, maybe you can go 100 copies or more of that book. But, like... Don't assume that you need, especially if you have a variety of stuff. If you're only selling, I think the most of any one book we've sold is like some 40, 40 something. I mean, we were specifically mm-hmm. promoting that one book. Like, I think it was launching at that con. Mm. Um, usually we have it. And then obviously after that year, we ended up having so many books that it's like <laughs> people mm-hmm. would come to the table and they'd buy one of different things. Um, but you don't need a lot. And there's, there's, a, it's going to make your life easier, not bringing too much stock, not having to take too much stock home. B, having something in limited supplies is a really good mm-hmm. sales tactic where you're like, I only got three. People are like, are you going to be here tomorrow? It's like, yeah, but I only got three. It might be gone tomorrow. You know, <laughs> like if you want it, you should buy it. Um, and I say this also as a consumer. If, if I know that I don't really have time to make a decision, I usually err on the side of like, well, if I was going to get it, I should get it. I shouldn't, I shouldn't put it off. Um, However, that said, I know a lot of people when they sell out, they just leave their table. And like, if you do more power to you, but I really like when you can have um, non-sales way to still rack up later sales. One thing that Sparkler does a lot is we have a sign-up sheet on our um, at our table for signing up for like the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, we have new subscriptions. Now that we have new subscriptions at TCAF, we can have a, a, a sign-up sheet that basically lets you subscribe to one of the web comics on our table like you write down your email address, you check off which comics you want to subscribe to, and we will go home and input that data, and you will get an email every time a new page is up now. And I think one of the important things of having something like that is if people are interested in you and they want to know about you later, which, you know, assumedly, even if you sell out of all your books or prints or whatever, keep at least a couple table mm-hmm. display things so people can see, you know, keep your business cards or whatever. Um, they want to find out if they're like, well, I missed out, but you can go read it online for free. 
let me take your email and you'll get a notification of that. Because I think a lot of people, we were talking earlier about people gathering stuff yeah. just mm-hmm. to have it or whatever. When you come home from a con, you've got a fucking bag full of a million business cards or cool things that you saw. Or maybe it got lost. Or maybe it's in the bottom of your backpack, whatever. The likelihood that somebody picks up something at a con and then follows it online is relatively low. People are buying stuff. Mm-hmm. They're in the moment, right? It's like a circus. But if the if you as the person who runs the table have their information and follow up with them, well, now at this point, they're like, oh, yeah, that table. Yeah, let me go look at that website. And especially if it's something like a sign up for a newsletter, they could just unsubscribe. Like if they were doing it just to be nice and they're not genuinely interested in it, they will uns- unsubscribe. And I, from what I've seen, like people don't usually write their email address down un- unless they're pretty interested. Like if they're really not interested and they don't want to be a dick, they'll just take a business card. But <laughs> there are plenty of people who are like, I like this in theory. I just don't want any of these particular books. And then we put them on the on the, the newsletter. So there are still a lot of really good opportunities for sharing information, advertising yourself that cost nothing, that take no space in your in your bag, you know, other than a little box of business cards and a sign up sheet. And I think it's it's really valuable. And I think sometimes that will save you having to have a super elaborate con display, having to have a million books, having to have everything that you've done there. There was a point where I think in the first, maybe the year we were with Lillian actually. Um, Sparkler had basically not quite launched. Maybe oh, it was an God. Oticon. It was that like, was when we were supposed to have mm. offbeat. Well, yeah, uh, that was the TCAP we didn't have. It, so we brought the proofs we to had, show people. We had no books. We just yeah. were talking to people and giving out postcards. And we had Tokyo Demons, I think. And yeah. that was like it. Yeah, <laughs> but there were there was one con where uh, we the magazine had basically just launched, but it was digital. We didn't have an iPad or anything, and it, there was no internet service so we couldn't show them online so we actually printed out all the chapters like we, we printed out sparkler for like that <laughs> month you know we did color covers and stuff and we put them in these like binders well it was like when you hand in a report when you're yeah a kid, we had like, like report like, things yeah. and we separated into chapters so when people were there they were like offbeats continuing we're like yeah you can read the chapter right here i'll hand it to you it's going to take you two <laughs> minutes to read through this you know little thing I think we might have done... Did we do that with Cherry Bomb, too? That we had kind yeah, of like a spicy sam- folder yeah, where like people could go sampler. through? And when I think about, like, old cons when I was into the indie comic circle, like, again, like, mm-hmm. early 2000s, mid-2000s, one of the things that got me into Amy Kim Ganter, who's now Amy mm-hmm. Ga- uh, Amy Kibuishi, um, is that she had brought Rima in... Mm-hmm. She had just brought original pages. She, I don't know. I'm not even sure she was selling stuff. But she was next to Jen Quick, who we were already huge fans of, who had also brought original pages. And you were I remember I was talking to her about stuff, and you were flipping through her portfolio, which was just the original pages. And then we left. You were like, that chapter was fucking phenomenal. We got to go look this up. <laughs> like, literally giving somebody an opportunity to read something, but short enough that they're not going to be at your table all day. Mm-hmm. There's just kind of a lot of cool display things that you do, promotional activities. It'll still get those those fun interactions with people. We'll still advertise your product. And I think sometimes people like being able to not spend money and not have to mm-hmm. carry something home, but later they're reminded of that cool thing that they saw yeah. at the show. Kind of like something up. you can do, something you can... Yeah. You know. you know, get a little of that sweet... Con- I mean, we all like to ingest content. Mm. So, anybody have anything else that they want to add? I'm sure oh. a lot of listeners have opinions <laughs> on, on good cons, the bad oh, cons, God, the yeah. stinky con- Well, most of them are at least a little stinky. I mean... To be fair, yeah, it's tough people. not to be stinky. I don't blame yeah. people for being stinky after a long day, but I do blame them for being no. stinky after two days. No, so because that's avoidable. <laughs> <laughs>
Fabrice, your costume. Tom Stink has never. Don't let your costumes like, get huh? sweaty. That's what Fabrice is for. <laughs> yeah. Fabrice, your costumes. Yeah, I've had more stinky attitudes than I've had actual stink. Yeah, no, I mean. Well, uh, I think like, you're more I mean, at the okay. anime cons. <laughs> there's, there's a little yeah. more con stomp. Yeah, yeah, the anime yeah. cons are less uh, mainstream comics. Con. Yeah, most of our comics are not. Sorry, most of our cons have not been quite as like I think the West Coast cons tend to be a little more crowded than the crowded than the East That's Coast true. cons. That's true. I will say that like, oh my god! So we went to Yaoi Con for the first time mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Lillian usually was running the table, but we happened to be in town in San Francisco um, mm. one year. So it was like two years ago. You know, and I've been to a lot of cons. They've lost a lot of the luster to me. <laughs> I did not want that con to end. I oh yeah, you so you much. wouldn't stop grinning the whole time. It was it was like f- so... hilarious. <laughs> oh, I had such a good time. It was with, with you two, and it was like the spark. First of all, the sparkler table did great. Yeah, that was at a fun mm-hmm. con. And it was like, yeah. yeah. And the other tables are like Viz, like you know, and our our buddies at Viz or at DMP, and then people just. Only selling Taki Makara. And then people coming to your table and being like, You have Femme Slash. I want Femme Slash too. I want all the gay. You know, like it was just, it was such a great atmosphere. And I was like, Oh, it was so many girls. I mean, it was just, oh, it was wonderful. Well, we did Bishonen Con in Rhode Island. Yes, too, which was much smaller, but was also yeah, really. Yeah, it was nice. just its first year. But like sometimes if you get, like, I mean, it depends on sort of what you're doing, but if you get one of those very sort of specific cons like like the cons that are small and maybe they're just starting out but the table is going to be less expensive and every like just the proportion of people there who are going to be interested in your stuff is much higher mm. and you can actually make like comparable money at one of those to yeah. what you make it like a much bigger con yeah considering Bishonen Con only had like a couple hundred people we did quite well we, there. yeah like financially and also we just had a really good time had a really good time yeah and we did <laughs> we did a panel we might do this again in the future because like Sparkler doesn't do panels that you know we've done one or two but mm-hmm. we did an audio drama bonanza panel we were talking kind of about audio dramas in Japan and then audio drama in English and stuff. We did, we gave away CDs and stuff. That was really fun. I wanted to bring up something, a little bit of gossip that people might have heard. So YaoiCon, not this year, because there isn't YaoiCon this year, but I believe it was last year, kind of last minute they announced that Vice was going to be there filming, doing a, uh, a documentary for feature of some sort. And they announced this like three days before YaoiCon was to start. And people rightfully freaked out. They mm-hmm. were like, oh my god, you are not, they are not welcome here. And people don't, you know, especially a very queer coded con mm-hmm. where, you know, there are a lot of states in this country where you can still be fired for being gay. <laughs> and people were like, I don't want to show up on TV. And there was also kind of, I think the waivers were weird. It was like, if yeah. you're going to this con, you have essentially signed a waiver allowing yourself to be filmed or something crazy. And mm-hmm. they canceled last minute. But it brought up kind of an interesting question about what is the purpose of cons? Is this is this something that you want to be normalized or do you want the safe space? Because hmm. I, I saw people really on two sides of the aisle here that it was like, well, oh, nobody liked how it was done. You know, like it was definitely announced too late. If they were going to yeah. do this, they needed to announce it earlier. But there was kind of, there was the, the side of people who were like, no, I don't want women to think that Yaoi Con or, or anybody. It's not just women who go to Yaoi Con, but it is a lot of women. I don't want them to think that this is something they should be ashamed of. I want I want to normalize this behavior. And the other side were like, no, I'm tired of normies ruining my weird stuff, mm. you know? <laughs> and like this, like, yeah, we can't, isn't even that weird in terms of like con 
focuses. Yeah, but like the world we live in is very weird about women's sexuality. Mm-hmm. They're you weird know? about women's sexuality. They're <laughs> and weird gay about queer sexuality. stuff. They're weird about manga. And when yeah. you put the three things together, it's like it just they're like I- I'm tired of people ruining stuff that girls want to like without anybody commenting on it. And and Yaoi Khan had gone through like Yaoi Khan was um many years ago they were talking about how it really wasn't for gay men and this was kind of a, a topic that came up where they were like there was I remember a specific article where a gay man went to Yaoi Khan and he was like I was made really uncomfortable by a lot of the things here. And that that was actually a much more interesting nuanced conversation about like mm-hmm. this con not really being for you. Mm-hmm. Does that make it okay? Does it not make you know like whatever. Um I think it kind of evolved over time because I think Yaoi as the Yaoi community first of all evolved a lot. Um, and also I think people kind of got what Yaoi was more like in later mm-hmm. years so that like there were tons of queer guys who were there and non-binary people, but they knew what they were getting. I think that there, there was less <laughs> miscommunication about what Yaoi Khan was. And I remember Bishonen Khan, they specifically didn't want it to just be about Yaoi. They wanted like more general queer kind of shoujo stuff because there aren't really a lot of shoujo cons. There's like girl geek con, there's stuff mm-hmm. that's like kind of leaning towards there, but but Yaoi Khan is one of the few experiences where you go to a convention and it's like, you know, girls, just girls, 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 like mm. everywhere girls, normalized girls, girls can talk about whatever weird, whatever kinky, whatever blatant, <laughs> whatever stuff that they, they feel that they can't say. There's a lot of stuff they can say at, at Yaoi Khan that they're not going to be embarrassed about. They're going to be embarrassed for not being open-minded yeah. about talking about all this That's, stuff. It's, it's where you can show off the fan art Shiro from Voltron body pillow where, yeah. you know, that you yeah. drew and... Right, right. And, and I think it, what, that's one of those things that interests me about cons, that I think it does, it toes that line between safe space and kind of broader community. Um, and it's different for everybody, but um, I love those niche cons in terms of, like, just you and your ilk. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was such a good show. And I'd never really felt that way before going to that one. Because even though we'd been to great shows, there was nothing quite like Yaoi Khan being like, this is my culture. <laughs> <laughs> this is my my people. My people are here. It's like the difference between going in an anime con and a general convention con. <laughs> They just, you know, you have these groups that get kind of pushed to the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, and also just, you know, I mean, God, there's enough freaking stories about, like, like dudes harassing women either at their booths or if they're cosplaying yeah. or just because they're women and they're there. And, you know, like, just, it's nice to be in a place where that's not what's going to happen. I mean, it's if it gets flipped and the gay guys start feeling objectified and, and harassed, that's a problem. But, like, right. you know... At least it's kind of like a step in a direction that's a little less fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think just I, when I think about kind of Yaoi fandom 10 years ago, which is around when mm-hmm. I read this article, versus Yaoi fandom now, I think people are a lot more aware about where yeah. it gets really problematic, where you got to kind of watch your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think I think that discussion about about the relationship between female, you know, maybe straight or maybe queer uh, yaoi fans versus actual gay men and mm-hmm. you know gay male yaoi fans and yeah, where yeah. where everybody fits into this and what counts as objectification versus what counts as like you know and and how women are getting their sexuality out on these male characters yeah and you know what i mean like there's there's, Boys, there's so been complicated. yeah it's it's a really complicated topic but i feel like it's one that we've actually you know, gotten there and, and been addressing. And I mean, there's still problems, obviously. And, and, you know, it's not perfect. But I think that, 
you know, I, I do feel like a lot of the women's spaces have become very accepting of, like, like female geek spaces and spaces for, like, you know, LGBT geeks have, like, so much overlap. And yeah, so much. Really I mean, because, like, like, I mean, I even think about Sparkler. Like, we didn't really, I mean, we always knew we were going to be having, you know, we started with Offbeat. That's a, that's a gay love story. We always knew we were going to have a fair amount of queer content, but we didn't really go into this saying we're going to be a queer magazine. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, we always wanted, we always wanted to be, like, sort of generally progressive, but, like, you like, know. We're, like, 75% queer at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's what people want. That's what people yeah. are reading. It's what, you know, like... What people yeah. are pitching to us. Yeah, it's, it's what like, yeah, people are pitching good. to us. What people what, are excited know, and, about. And we're always a little worried about... Yeah. yeah. We're always worried about tipping toward not having enough female characters, just because, you know, yeah. BL kind of, like, takes over stuff sometimes a little bit, because, I mean, you know, and there, there are some sexist reasons for that. Not intentionally sexist, but just in the way that female and male characters are treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, in things and just like the archetypes people are pulling from but like you know just in general like we're like I'm so happy to have all of these like really beautiful you know like you know gay and lesbian and 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 uh you know gender queer characters and be- them just being in relationships with whoever the the story is sort of aiming you know like just yeah what they feel like <laughs> yeah what they feel like I mean <laughs> I've talked a little bit uh online about sort of functional bisexuality like i love having a character where like you know you don't like the writer doesn't necessarily know what their sexuality is going to be until they get to the point where they're like who should this person be in a relationship mm-hmm. with <laughs> yeah that happened to, that happened to us when we were doing tokyo demons that we're was like, in tokyo demons wait a minute this, this kid's clearly bisexual <laughs> <laughs> didn't strike me until now mm. yeah anyways yeah so I'm sure everybody out there has kind of their favorite con that they've probably been going to over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And, uh, and you should tell us all about it in the comments. Often. Yeah. yeah. Or on totally. social media. Yeah. I think... Yeah. I, I, I'm curious kind of people... I, I know there's so much heated discussion around conventions. People mm-hmm. talk about how challenging it is, how to make money, the the fight over copyright infringement. You know, again, the the... the grouchy people talking about they just don't like the aesthetic of the wall of prince um oh and poor uh, universal fan con that whole oh god i don't want to get too far into it but like i mean i don't know who did the mismanagement and how but i do at least kind of feel for people who get in over their heads and Mm -hmm. run out of money you know and then like, all the people who got screwed over. Oh like, yeah, yeah. No, I mean obviously I, I don't know if there are any. Yeah. I don't think anybody. No, made there, off there, the are money no winner, there are no winners. There are no winners in the situation. And again, like I, I don't. <laughs> all, nobody won. There's no. There's no way for someone like me to have any idea where the incompetence was. But it's just like or the potential scam could have been a scam. It could have been a scam. I don't know. But like just just the idea that like trying to plan this thing and. It, conventions are so expensive and you can't start big like that like you know the conventions that we know of that have been successful are the ones that they started on college campus in like two rooms you know like places where the rent was either really really reasonable or just not you know whatever because i mean like i always hear about the conventions that fail they didn't think about security or they didn't you know what i mean like there's all these costs that come up and so hard it's just it's so hard (laughs) yeah sorry i don't mean to be like like, I don't know what happened, but the God, cha- it's hard. The chance that it was more incompetence than scamming is yeah. pretty high. My point is basically that it doesn't take a scam. It just takes yeah. not knowing what you're getting into. <laughs> it's true. It's very easy for it to not be a scam yeah. and for it to just be too hard. And there's always some of these, and you always hear hear the stories, and it's just like, oof, they got it over their heads. 
Yeah. I would recommend to anybody who's like, I'm interested in doing a con or an event or whatever. Uh, We do a big party every year at TCAF that's kind of small scale. We rent out a room. It's public this year, so anybody's welcome to come. (laughs) I think we posted it on social media. Um, We rent out a room in a club and uh, just we used to just invite people. It was invitation only, but now it's public and we buy some food and leave it on the tables for people to help themselves and people go buy drinks at the bar. (laughs) <laughs> and it's great. You can do events like that. You can do a book launch at a, at a place like that or at like a restaurant. You can do kind of cool small events where you can either, br- you know, bring a bunch of people who believe in the same thing together. This is a very weird connection, but the Yuri on Ice cosplay orgy, for example. <laughs> people, a bunch of people wanted to come together, excuse the pun, and like have their own <laughs> mini event within the event. So, yeah. And then, oh, oh yeah, God, that fired. was another fun. <laughs> but no it's it's true though that like uh uh you know if you're somebody who thinks that actually planning events and getting involved in the con and that kind of a thing is something you want to do i mean cons are always looking for volunteers and you know obviously like cons where competent and good people are running them and cons where incompetent and difficult and awful people are running them are kind of you know Mm. you never know what you're getting into unless you ask until you ask around or you, you sign up but also just yeah like you can start an event by, you know, saying, okay, well, it's the Saturday night of the con. I'm taking my favorite Tumblr artists out to dinner. And, mm-hmm. you know, we did that back in the day with some of our webcomic artists, mm-hmm. like, years and years and years ago, uh, where we just, like, took some webcomics people and some some guests out and just, like, you know. Yeah, because I remember one year, my website all of a sudden, like, there was all this traffic that came into my website one day, and it was because we had taken out some popular webcomic artist to dinner. And, like, I guess I wasn't going that year or something. And he's like, oh, I wish Leanne would take me to dinner and, like, link to my site in the <laughs> name Leanne or something. I'm like, who the fuck are all these people? You know, like, it, it's, it, or just going, like, bringing food. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> go oh, God, at their yeah. tables. We used to do that, too, because we were just, we really wanted to be, like, helpful fans. So we'd, we'd go buy water and, like, give water to people <laughs> at yeah. their tables and stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, at TCAF and at other cons, there are some people who, like, you know, well, I'm just going to say one of my voice, uh, one of the voice actors in Cat Lover Circumstances works at the Lint Chocolate Store, and mm. she came over with the biggest bag that was of amazing. those chocolates, yeah. and was just walking around giving them to people. And mm-hmm. you know, like, like you can be the person who brings a big bag of candy to the convention, and you will yeah. be everybody's friggin' best friend. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> people are giving out stickers. There's yeah. just there's all kinds of things that you can do if if you want to have, and people know that you know, like. A lot of people will run mini events or meetups or cosplay photo shoots or whatever the case is to, to like, if they feel like the con is not quite catering them to enough and they want a smaller, more niche, safe space or event or, or, or meetup, you can just do it in a con. That's the <laughs> other thing that's good about it. You can have mini stuff going on at the yeah, same time. Yeah, just, you know, throw some little party or you're an ice orgy in your hotel room. Yeah. Um, we do not condone planning orgies in hotels. Uh, I think it was banned. You know, we're fine. do whatever you want to as long as it's safe, you sane, consensual, you. and you're using protection. Oh, Have fun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Yeah, I just... like those rubber things on the bottom of your skates. Protection. I just don't, oh, I no, don't no. Don't, saying, don't, no. Don't involve oh, those in sexual acts. Your skate guards are not sex toys. <laughs> that is just asking for weird infections. Oh. oh. <laughs> we end on that note. <laughs> Yeah, tell us about your con stories, guys. And and also, like, 
a lot of people will say, oh, I wish you came to this con, or I I wish you guys did this at cons. That's always a really good conversation to have. So we're always happy to hear from people about that. I know some people are just like, I'm going to this con, why won't you be there? And that's not the way to have the conversation, because that's really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of times the answer is, we would have to drive 19 hours in our crappy van. And your con is 300 people. Like, there's no way we're going to make, we're not even close to breaking even, so... Um, but there are definitely cons that people have recommended to me that, you know, either we ended up going, I think Bishonen Con, I think they kind of chased us down a little bit. Yeah. Well, we're doing Flame Con this year. Yes. Yeah. We're actually really excited about that. that, Yeah. We we went there just to hang out last last year year because, uh, Hiveworks is like one of the sponsors of that con and also Mm -hmm. Kizzy Young's going to be there. We wanted to meet her because she's usually on the other coast and, you know, uh, it's nice to actually see in person the people who you're, like, you know, chatting with at all hours of the day and night. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we were really impressed with it, and it seemed like such a fun con, and it's right in Brooklyn, which is, you know, close really, to us, it's yeah. close to us, and we have a lot of friends in the city. Yeah, so this year, Sparkler's only doing TCAF and FlameCon, so if you want to come hang out, please come to one of those. I know they're, they're fairly East Coast. I mean, Toronto is not that East Coasty, but East Coast-ish. Yeah, you can drive to it from a number of places on the East Coast. Correct. So, no YaoiCon this year, otherwise, because I don't think we went last year. Did we, Lillian? YaoiCon, no, we didn't, because they changed locations again. So we bailed. Right, and now they're they're off this year. I hope they come back next year. It was such a good experience. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Dokusei on the big big plate. Oh, that was so great. Like a movie, and they had one of the... It was like the not the director <laughs> I think in Japan, it was the but like director. the marketing. I thought it was man. the director, and then like was another another lady, and it was great. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> she's like you know this is a kind of niche in Japan, but coming here to a group of people who are really into it is so encouraging. I'm like oh my god, yeah. I don't ever want to go home. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, on that note, conventions are fun. You should come chat with us about them on social media yep. or on the website and. Hopefully we'll see you all at one Yeah, sometime. come see us at TCAF or, or FlameCon if you're going to be there. I mean, people come, I mean, I'm, this is this is totally self-serving, but, like, people coming and saying, oh, I really like what you do is basically the fuel that makes us keep going. For the rest yeah, of the absolutely. year, so keep yeah. that in mind. It goes a long way. We <laughs> and appreciate that. And not just that. for us, but anyone whose work you admire, just hearing that, because, you know... Be, being in any of these creative industries can be such a thankless task sometimes. It can be so hard and you doubt yourself and you just, you know, you're broke and you can't, like, get it together and it can be just so difficult. But, you know, we do it because it makes people happy. Yeah. And so you should let us know that. Mm. <laughs> it makes a big difference. Yeah, we want you happy. <laughs> anyway, thank you all so much for listening and we'll be back next month with another podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.